Pot on the Hill has brought together a series of short-form interviews with members of Parliament, union leaders and workers to talk about some of the realities facing Victorians in this once-in-a-hundred-years event, the global coronavirus pandemic. We've asked our community leaders what is happening in their communities to adapt to physical distancing, how they're helping people in changed industries, and what we've learned about ourselves and each other during this enormously challenging time. If you have any questions you want to ask of our guests or questions or suggestions you have about our collective response, please email podcast at vic.alp.org.au. Little song about a man called Guff and a little boy who wanted to be tarred with the same brush. He learned Latin, held his head up high, and he hated the liberals, though he didn't know why. There were reasons. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Pod on the Hill. My name is Conrad French, and I'm the digital director here at Victorian Labor. We continue our connecting voices during coronavirus this week, and we are joined by Kat Theophanis, the member for Northcote. Welcome, Kat. How are you? I'm well, Conrad. How are you? I'm very well. Strange times, isn't it? Uh, it is. Peculiar. Uh, recording. I think you're, I'm at my house again. I think this is the third or fourth um, uh, pot I've done here uh, for the party. Um, it's been very weird doing it online from my kitchen. So it's strange times. Yeah, I'm at Parliament House. Um, we're sitting this week. So yep. it's been good to get out of the house, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. Now, as a member of Parliament, while you're not on the front line like a, a nurse or a doctor or a poli- or police, you are dealing with a virus uh, in a different way, but you, you deal with it with, um, when you come to hearing about how it's affecting people in their day-to-day lives and their businesses. Can you tell us a bit about the effect it's having on your community? Yeah, I, I think, um, well, it's had a huge effect on my community as it has in all communities. It's had a deep impact on people's livelihoods, but beyond that, on their sense of security and their mental well-being, I think it's really shaken us to our core in a way. In Northcote, we've got we've got a we've got a large proportion of renters. We've got a big hospitality um, industry, a big creative industry, and they've all been hit pretty hard by this in various ways. Yeah, so interesting you bring up uh, the creative people that that in your community. It's it's one of those ones that's that's not quite as obvious at first. When you think about when, when cafes close, it's very obvious that those places are closed. What are some of the effects uh, that it's had on the creative industry uh, in, in the seat of Northcote? Yeah, so, so we've got a lot of um, sort of independent artists, um, whether they're musicians or creative arts, um, but also small venues and um bars and things that support those artists and and they've all been impacted um and a lot of them are falling through the cracks in terms of the federal government's wage subsidy supports which makes it even harder yeah it's a it's a good point i hadn't it's not just it's not the obvious things like like television and radio but it's all of those smaller venues that that put on bands and and plays and all those things with them being closed that those people can't can't ply their trade as such what, right. what have you learned um, about the impact, um, like beyond sort of the, the community, sort of more, more sort of more widely and the effect yeah. it's had on people? I think 
that if there's one thing that's been revealed through all of this, it's that it's the precarious nature of a lot of work, a lot of the situations that people find themselves in and the limitations within our industrial systems that that have been really been brought to the fore and, and the, the vital role of having a secure job and a fair wage. Um, things that, you know, the Labor Party and the union movement have been talking about for a very long time yeah. are suddenly coming into very stark relief in this environment. Yeah, it's, that, that, that's very true. And, and it's, as you say, the precarious nature of a lot of work, particularly things like hospitality, where, where some of the protections in, in some more, uh, more sort of solid industries that, that exist, that they, that they, don't, they don't exist for those people and, and they've found themselves um, very quickly uh, in the lurch. And so um, I think things like, like the mortgage freeze and rent and, and rent freezes and all those kind of things have helped a lot with a lot of that stuff. How about like back to sort of the local idea? How has your community responded? And, and rather than just the sort of the negative effects it's had, what about some of the more positive or encouraging stories? The way the way people have come together to support one another. Yeah, well, I, I do want to shout out um, to my community and especially the frontline workers in my community for everything that they've done. Um, we know there's been a massive coordinating effort around preparing the health system for this crisis. And a lot of people don't know, but um, almost 5% of working people in the seat of Northcote are in the hospital system. It's the largest proportion of any of, of workers in any one industry yeah. within the Northcote electorate. So, so a massive proportion of healthcare workers, and I'm so, so proud of them and thankful for them. Um, we've thankfully been able to, I guess, avert the, the depths of the crisis that we've seen overseas, but, but the, the anxiety around the preparation for that has been immense. Um, but beyond that, I do want to also mention uh, we've got some really amazing neighbourhood houses in the electorate and they've come together as a, as a unit and spearheaded an enormous food relief and emergency relief effort um, these are mostly women, actually, um, <laughs> that, have, that have literally delivered thousands of packages of food um, and, and emergency supplies to people most vulnerable in our community, and they're continuing to do that. It's just been astonishing. Yeah, as someone who lives in, in, in your electorate in, here in Northcote, um, it's like one of the things that we've got elderly neighbours to both sides of us. Um, and, for, and 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 straight away we were, we thought well this is this this could be a problem for our for our neighbours so they've been they've lived here for 30, 40 years and I mean, and they've got family and stuff but it's much easier for us to say listen if you need any help we can just go down and do it and you've seen that right through the community like it's across across the state and, and I'm sure across the nation and across the world but yeah just I, I can tell you from my own personal experience here in Northcote um, well in the electorate of Northcote um, yeah people looking out for each other it's 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 a uh, it's really interesting that. That how that, that's that's occurred. We yeah, I've seen. Uh, sorry, I've I've, I've seen um, even at a really minute level, just street by street. Um, you know, the younger people have put out notices to the rest of the street, saying if anyone needs any help, we're here to go get your groceries for you, or um, pick up something from the pharmacy for you if you need, or check in on you. Um, and that's happened just really locally. It's very very lovely. Yeah. Now, you sort of you did touch on on some of, of some of the other reactions around the world, but what what 
what have we learned from the, the impact of the, the variety of different countries and demographics uh, so far and how, and how they've dealt, other countries have dealt with it? Hmm. Well, I think it's clear that Australia was in the fortunate position of being able to learn some of the lessons of the other countries that got hit with this first. We've been able to have those crucial few weeks to allow us to make the decisions we had to make to flatten the curve and to prepare our health system and to get ahead of it in a way. But it's not all about timing. Um, it's also about decision making. And it seems to me that when compassion is at the heart of the response and protecting the lives of your citizens is at the heart and providing clarity and certainty, then we see a much better response. Um, and that's the angle that Victoria has certainly taken. And obviously we've seen some, some pretty stellar responses in terms of New Zealand as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I'd take away from that. Yeah, right. Um, now what about sort of on a personal level, what have, what have you missed the most uh, in isolation? Hmm, I've missed, I've definitely missed spending time time with family and friends and just doing normal stuff like going out to a local cafe. I've missed that kind of thing. But I think the paradoxical thing about isolation is that even though we've stayed apart in many ways, it's brought us together. So like, like most people, when it all began, my world was turned upside down and we made the decision to keep our two little girls out of childcare and home with us. And so we were doing the work from home juggle um, with, with a one-year-old and a two-year-old. <laughs> phenomenal effort. <laughs> of course, they couldn't see their grandparents, so that was hard. Um, but as a family unit, I feel like we've got into a, a, a groove together. And I think going forward, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the whole work-life balance is thought about as so many people have had the experience of doing that from home and having to juggle that. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a good effort having the one and three-year-old at home. Yeah, we we here at home, we've got a, a one-year-old and we tried for one day. We thought, we'll try. We'll see how we go. And, and we're like, no, this is neither of us are going to get any work done here with a one-year-old. So we took the decision to send him back to childcare at that point. So that was what we did. But yeah, it's, you touch on an interesting point there about uh, how we've, like you've sort of been isolated, but sort of as you've come together, it's... Like I know that there's probably I've had like Zoom or house party meetings with with friends um, in other states that I just haven't I would never have done before because you just like you sort of chat to them on WhatsApp or Facebook or whatever and you just don't think about having that face to face contact, but because all of a sudden you were doing it with everybody, it became a much more normal normal thing to do and and I think again it sort of goes to that sort of is it going to are we going to normalize working from home a bit more or and this kind of um, like using Zoom for meetings rather than going like going half an hour or even say for those people that have to travel in the state for a lot of work. That will be a really interesting way to see how that develops, I think. Yeah, I think, um, you know, all of our work, work and life has been thrown mm. up in the air because of this pandemic, but now it's incumbent on us to learn, learn from those experiences and look at how we can improve our systems, whether it be social or, or economic, and, and look at the efficiencies that can be gained going forward, because I think you're, you're right, a lot of people have realised, well, hang on, how much time am I saving by staying home and doing this Zoom meeting from home rather than trudging into the office and, and corralling six other people <laughs> into a room? <laughs> yeah, 
it, it, it's it's going to be it'll be interesting to see how companies deal with it and, and if and maybe it will just it will get back to where we were but it might take a few years and, and eventually we'll get to there but it, it, it'll yeah, be interesting I to see I also think importantly that it um it's not just it's not just around the work stuff but also around the caring stuff and the education aspect of this too so many of our local schools have commented that that the remote learning that they've been doing, um, the usefulness of some of those systems that they've, they're only now just dabbing into um, has been enormous. And, and, and the ca capacity of that and the capability of that is something that they want to explore going forward too. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, now, what are you hoping, as, as we, we, we move into reopening uh, the state, what are you hoping to see in the next in the st next stage, the next steps towards social and economic recovery. I think as a state, we're in a strong position to support communities as we begin to reopen and recover and rebuild from this. Plain economics tells us that the recovery is going to be quicker if we invest in our community and stimulate the economy and grow jobs. And so that's been a big focus for us going forward. Um, but as we begin to ease those restrictions, I mean, for some of us, the new normal is starting to look a lot like the old, but then there's, for many of us, the hardship continues and it's going to continue for a long time. And for some of us, the emotional toll continues and that needs to be recognized too. And so going forward, I, I think we've got a long way to go to keep providing the support that needs to be provided both economically and socially to get us through to the other side, because I don't think that we're, I don't think that we're, um, that we're there yet, and, no. and there's still a, lo a, lo a long road to go. Yeah, you, we, I mean, we could be halfway through, we could be a third of the way through, we could be, we could be nearly to the end. Who knows when a when a vaccine might 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 appear on the horizon? Exactly. But um, so, and I think that's one of the the, the difficulties is not knowing when. We will be able to do things like, like go to the football again. It's those really big, big things that 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 will uh, that might it'll take a bit longer to, to get to be able to do again. But yeah, yeah, and I think just on no. the point of football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that it's clear that we're not going to get back to exactly what it was before. That whatever we do now going forward, it's going to look slightly different to what it was. Um, in the past, just in the same way, I, I, I keep making this correlation in my head in the same way that terrorism really changed the way that we did border security and we thought about security in terms of our stadiums and things like that. I think that now there's going to be a real shift in the way we think about biosecurity and, and the way that we protect ourselves going forward. Um, against viruses like this yeah i think it's the, i think there'll be the obvious sort of visual cues we'll get about it for the rest of our lives will be things like the plastic counters up over like in front of at, at supermarkets and such and i think it most any sort of fast food outlet will have a lot of those those covers and those 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 perspex glass up and and even like i just just thinking off the top of my head like um maybe maybe bars and pubs might even have that um and have much much more sort of controlled areas to buy your drinks rather than everyone just cramming in and just trying to get a drink. So, yeah, there, there'll be some obvious things that will we'll stay through, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see as, as we come through. 
Mm. As we get through it, let's say this is a the the first major pandemic like globally that we've seen in a hundred years. Let's say there's another one in a hundred years. What would you want the generations who live through the next one to know? Be kind to each other because you're all in it together and you will get through it and you'll get through it by being kind to each other. Very well put. Now, to the last question on this uh, week's episode, Kat, what now, I'll caveat with this, with the fact that you've had two kids at home the whole time, so you might not have had as much time to binge watch uh, television and movies as others, um, but what TV series slash movie have you discovered during isolation? Um, the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. So, my husband and I are huge Star Wars fans and we couldn't resist the idea of a baby Yoda. Yeah, very good. Um, the Mandalorian. So just into Star Wars, I, I had to make sure I, I caught up with the movies before, and I haven't quite got there yet, but we'll, we'll get there in the end. Conrad. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I was like two or three movies behind. It was really bad. Um, anyway, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us on Pod on the Hill this week, Kat. And just keep plugging. I'm not sure if you, are the kids back at childcare now or you've got more time? Yes, at, they yes. are back. <laughs> yes, we can breathe a bit easier. Making life a little bit easier for you. And and as as the as we are able to open up, let's hope that there's no more, there's no second wave and we can just continue to, to march on towards norm, normality to whatever that might be. So thanks again. Thank you, Conrad. Appreciate the offer.